Welcome back to the Too Dumb to Quit podcast with Jeremy McCall. Very talented. God awful ugly. True. That's right. <laughs> Super true. Got to get a little more self-deprecating in my uh, in my intros. Well, I'm a little late again uh, this week, friends and neighbors, but welcome to the Too Dumb to Quit podcast. Uh, my wife was out of town all week. She was shooting a thing up in Iowa, and so she was on the set all week. And uh, it was daddy week here at the house, which means... Uh, Late dinners, mismatched socks, and uh, hearing my kids say shit like, uh, that's not how mom does it. <laughs> so my apologies for being a couple days behind. But again, uh, in all that, I'm very thankful for the time with, uh, with my kids. I, I don't get enough of the, uh, of the time. And a boy's week was uh, a lot of fun, even though we missed my wife. And I was reminded about the amount of work that uh, she puts in on the daily. So... That's always a, a good perspective changer. But I found a lot of lessons and little things that have kind of stuck with me through this week uh, just from dropping down a level. And, and what I mean by that is, like, as adults, um, we're always just uh, we're always kind of gliding at the height, right, at, at our height. You know, you're 5'10", you're 6'1", whatever it is. You're just kind of, you've got that eye level. That's where you're at, and that's how you see things. And uh, you've got like your own level of conscience. And, uh, and we're always looking at the world through the perspective that we've been given of our circumstance, our upbringing, our past. And then on top of that, you know, where you're at now. And so this week, I really learned a valuable lesson about dropping down a level or two to see things from a perspective that isn't mine. Uh, and my, so my two-year-old speaks like half English. And we say around uh, here at our house, we say he speaks half English, half God, because y- y- there's a word or two in each little, you know, sentence that we know, followed by like noises and words that he knows the meaning of, but Courtney and I have yet to have been able to uh, get the memo on. <laughs> exactly. And he is like, Riker is like a reckless motorcycle, wheelie riding madman who uh, he has like all the all the money he's ever amassed his entire life in a backpack and he's just riding a wheelie down the steepest hill possible, uh, in my mind at least. And then Knox, our, our six-year-old, sees the world from like a very matter of fact, uh, it says uh, right foot on the blue square and the left foot on the white square, so that's what I'm doing and he's very much someone who he just he's he doesn't want to let anybody down but also gets like super frustrated really fast if he feels like you're not validating his opinion or at least hearing him out and that's something too that I had to work on just because I think getting parented uh in the 80s you know your parents would be like Sh- shut up <laughs> sit down because I said so like there was never any explanations it's lead paint asshole it'll kill you <laughs> if you eat it but th- there was just never you know, any explanation for me growing up. But this week, I did my best to try to drop a level, to drop the parental stuff that we all got from our parents and our upbringings of all the shit I was just talking about, the because I said so's, and try to see it from their perspective. And like it always does, it taught me a, uh, I'm missing a lot. And when I stay focused on one perspective, especially when it's just my perspective. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought about how that doesn't translate well, not only in my house, but it doesn't translate well into the real world or work or relationships or goals or anything like that either. Because when you start looking at people leaving jobs or people in, you know, breaking up with other people, relationships, how many times have we all failed at one of those things because we stayed in exactly our own perspective? Well, he said this, she said that, you know, fuck you, whatever. 
whatever. Our ego keeps us there and our ego wants us to stay there. So the next time that your kid is like throwing a tantrum and, and I started doing this this week, like I would just try to get on the floor see it maybe from their level, see a perspective where I'm like, oh, he's mad because this is up there instead of me going like, what? I don't know what the fuck you want. (laughs) Which is what you want to do in your brain because you're just trying to keep him fed and happy and alive. But you start changing your perspective, you start seeing things differently. You're having issues at work. If you look at the problem from the point of view of the person that's hurting or changing or inconveniencing, you know, if you as a CEO started, and I, and I know CEOs who do this, I know guys that run companies who look at it from the perspective of the guy that goes and grabs him coffee in the morning and it's a better workplace because of it. And he's a better leader because of it. Instead of just going, because here's the way it is. This is why it, you know, instead of saying like, okay, look, this is a massive fucking inconvenience for all of us. And here's the reason why we have to do it this way. And I think that that's a fair thing to do, especially as a leader or a boss or somebody in that, you know, Hey, look, we got to implement this. And here's the reason why I know it's a huge pain in the ass. I want you to know that I know and that I also won't ask you anything to do that I wouldn't do or haven't done. And I think being able to see things from the point of view of other people is something that a lot of humanity is kind of lacking right now. It's like traffic. I saw it yesterday on the way to the airport. There's people, these flying in and out of lanes. And the whole time I'm just thinking like your first reaction is like, what an asshole. And you want to speed up and you want to make sure he can't cut you off or whatever. And then it turns into this whole thing. But then you start thinking about this person doesn't care at all what's around them, what kind of cargo each car has in it, you know, um, kids and, you know, other people's kids in other people's cars, just watching a DVD and minding their own business. And this guy, uh, you know, or this person uh, is driving like the world is in their way. And everybody out there is just inconveniencing their ride to whatever meeting or appointment that they're already late for. It just got me to thinking about that old term. We've all heard it. You know, it is what it is. Oh, it is what it is. Oh, man, what happened? You got, you know, you uh, lost three toes in the 4th of July party. <laughs> you know, Uncle Jimmy. Because Uncle Jimmy had too many PBRs. Ah, it is what it is. Like, that's the way I always heard it. Oh, Uncle uh, Uncle Tom blew his fucking hand off holding on to a quarter stick of dynamite at a, at a 4th of July party. Ah, it is what it is. Well, it is what it was, <laughs> you know. But when you get to thinking about that, that's the connotation that's always delivered. And it's always like negative. Every time we hear or use that phrase, there's a negative connotation to it. And the, I think the idea, though, is right. And the delivery is off. So while saying the same thing, the thing that, that it is what it is is saying is that we each have to allow nature to happen. And the sooner we realize that we have zero control over these things and learn to live within nature and within the way that things are supposed to happen, the way things do happen, it turns a phrase from like, it is what it is into, it is this. Uh, not this is it, because this is it has like a, fin- a finality to it. You know, well, this is it. Uh, it is this present moment we're sitting in. This is where we are right now. Maybe it's raining or it's sunny or it's snowing or it's hot. Wherever you are right now, surrounded by things, all of us are. Look around. We're all surrounded by things right now that we cannot control. Traffic, other people's opinions, the weather, the flight delay, whatever it is, we're all at the mercy of nature. And the happiness in your life cannot come while you're dependent on those outside uh, elements. You know, the happiness in your life will only come from realizing that you can't control it and learning to live within nature and in accord with it and not conforming yourself to the way things are, but allowing yourself to be at peace with how nature is. 
That's the thing I don't understand about the political rant. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody has their Facebook page and their posts and all that. And everybody is really, really adamant that their way is right. And, and you know, you always kind of want to pipe up when somebody posts something that's somebody says something that disagrees with you or somebody says something you agree with and you just want to be like, yeah, fuck those people. You know, when in reality, like nothing that you post is going to change anybody's mind. Like, and you see it all the time where one person states what they see to be a fact and the other person states what they see to be a fact. And nobody uh, meets in the middle to realize that, hey, we're just being divided by a, a game. And they're turning it into a football game where you're a fan of this and I'm a fan of that. And if you're a fan of this, then you're a terrible person. And if you're a fan of that, you're an idiot or whatever. Nobody's looking down the line that it's just a person. It's just your cousin or your brother or your neighbor or whatever. It's just somebody. And because you can't change other people's opinions about what they think, because you don't, there's so much that goes into opinion. It, it comes from upbringing. It comes from where you're from, it, how you view the world, the circumstances you've been in, the tough breaks you've had, the opportunities you've had. All that factors in to the kinds of things that go into like, I'm this type of person. When you start labeling yourself, you put yourself in a group with all these assholes who are like talking for you instead of just going like, man, I'm just a guy and I vote for who I vote for. And if I see somebody broke down on the side of the road, I don't give a shit who they voted for. I'm just going to help them. But this is where we're at right now. And everybody's trying to change everybody else's opinions. When you realize your happiness will never happen as long as you're irritated by those outside elements because you, you cannot change the opinions of people. It, it, it doesn't matter. And so when you start looking at that, you go, hey, here's that guy's opinion. Here's my opinion. I still really like to play golf with John. We just don't have to talk about politics. We don't have to talk about religion. We can just go out and play golf and laugh and have a couple beers and remember all the things that bring us closer together instead of talking constantly about the, all the things that drive us apart. So the happiness in your life comes from allowing nature to be what it is and being cool with that. So the idea of looking at things like that as a lesson, as a beautiful illustration that we're alive in this moment and that we are present in this moment, and also at the same time realizing how small we are and what is our perspective. Are we even thinking about the other people in the car that we're cutting off? Are we looking at the man that we're screaming at in traffic, thinking that maybe that guy just lost a wife or a child? Maybe that guy just buried his mom. Maybe that lady just found out she's got cancer. And we're screaming at her because she's taking a little longer at a red light. Or she's, she didn't go immediately when it was her turn to four-way stop. But none of us think about that. We think about what the inconvenience is to us instead of the humanity directly sitting across from us. Are we looking outside of our own perspective? Are we changing our levels to see the humanity that, is, that surrounds us to make us better people? make us better parents, make us better leaders, make us better humans. It is this. And that's just keeps repeating in my brain. You're stuck in traffic. You're going to be late, regardless of how mad, how anxiety ridden, how pissed off you get. You're slamming on your, uh, on your horn or you're beating on your steering wheel. And you're spilling your coffee. When all that calms down in five minutes, you're still going to be sitting in that fucking traffic. You're still going to be there when you calm down. It is this, the present moment we're all in is all we've got, and we're all in it together. Another part of this um, that goes with stoicism, and, and I talk about stoicism a ton, and I've gotten a couple of messages lately where people are like, okay, the, the stoic thing that you talk about, what is it? So 
a quick, like, at-a-glance history is there was a guy named Zeno who formed Stoicism, like, three, uh, what was it, 300 B.C. in Athens. And it's called Stoicism because the followers met in the Stoa, which... Um, It was like the painted porch. It was practiced by people in the pursuit of a good life, of a good, happy, less stress, less anxiety. It's the same shit we're dealing with now was going on 2,000 years ago. It was practiced by by those people. And there are three like principal, uh, you could say like leaders of Stoicism, which is like Marcus Aurelius, uh, who was the emperor of Rome. You had Epictetus, um, who was a slave turned philosopher, and uh, Seneca the Younger, who was a statesman. The Stoics would meet outside in public on this porch, and anyone could listen to the debate like a philosophy of the street for ordinary people. This was not for like aristocrats. It was just one of those things where... They started teaching, they started writing, they started writing letters to each other with, with different ideas. There's a whole book from Seneca, The Letters, um, and uh, Marcus Aurelius, of course, has meditations. You can look up any one of those guys, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, and Seneca, and there are a ton of books on it, there's a ton of wisdom on it, but a version of this, what we're talking about, that we're all in this together, is this uh, Amore Fati. It describes Amore Fati as a love of fate, that... One wants nothing to be different, not forward, not backwards, not in all eternity, not merely bear what is necessary, still less conceal it, but love it. So that's a a, a long way around saying loving what nature brings you, no matter what it is, you know, knowing that there is no good and bad. It's just the way that we see it and our estimate of it. And the Stoics really practiced this attitude. They embraced it. And 2,000 years ago, like I said, writing in his own personal journal that would become meditations, Emperor Marcus Aurelius said, a blazing fire makes flame and brightness out of everything that is thrown into it. And that's something that I fell in love with that idea. Everything in front of a fire is fuel. It doesn't matter what it is. You throw a desk in it, you throw a car in it, anything you throw in front of it as an obstacle, it turns into fuel. And that is something that I think we could all use in our lives. When you start getting these difficulties that are thrown at your boss is thrown at you, you're trying to start a business, you got all these, all these adversities that are coming your way, you're struggling to make your bills, struggling to find your path, whatever it is, all those things that have been laid in front of you, you could look at it as a test or you could look at it as fuel for the fire. This is the fuel. Anything that's put in front of you is an opportunity to use it as fuel for the fire. A blazing fire makes flame and brightness out of everything that is thrown into it. Epictetus, who was a slave, who was actually, he was crippled up um, from years of slavery, and he faced adversity after adversity. And he talks about the same thing. He says, uh, sorry, I was trying to get down to this. Um, Do not seek for things to happen the way you want them to happen. Rather, wish that what happens, happens the way it happens, and then you'll be happy. Once you realize look, I really wanted it to not rain today, but it's fucking raining. And then realizing that's the way shit goes. And as soon as you do that, when true happiness is able to set in. So do not seek for things to happen the way you want them to happen. Rather wish that they happen the way they happen. And you can find your happiness through that. So Amori Fati is a stoic exercise and a mindset that you can take on for making the best out of anything that happens. Treating each other in every moment, no matter how challenging, as you know, something to be embraced, not avoided. And that goes back, there's a great book called uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, who's a, a modern stoic. Um, but to not only be okay with it, you have, but to love it and to be better for it. So like the oxygen for a fire, 
obstacles and adversity become the fuel for your potential. And I'm loving all of the um, inspiration stuff that I've been seeing, especially in the sports world. And one of the guys is uh, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury just won the heavyweight championship uh, back the other night. The guy has a crazy backstory, really, really inspirational, speaks very openly um, about the day he was going to kill himself, his mental issues, his depression plaguing him. And and I heard this, and uh, I wanted to bring it to the podcast today. It's just a little excerpt of um, of him talking about this. But this is Tyson Fury. And check this out. I just showed the world tonight, everyone suffering with mental health, that you can come back and it can be done. Everybody out there who has the same problems that I've been suffering with, I did that for you guys. You know the truth. Everybody knows I won that fight. And if I can come back from where I come from, then you can do it too. So get up, get over it, and let's do it. Seek help, and let's do it together as a team. Did it for you guys. I just thought, what, what an amazing thing to put out into the world. Tyson Fury, heavyweight champ of the world, and uh, not unlike a lot of uh, a lot of people who have used that, that kind of thought process. Marcus Aurelius was the emperor of Rome, and uh, like I said earlier, one of the godfathers of uh, Stoicism. But he used to practice an exercise that was referred to as like taking a, a view from above, or like Plato's view, is to take a step back, zoom out, and to see life from from a higher perspective, changing your level, and that's kind of been the whole point of this podcast today is changing your level, changing your perspective, envisioning all the millions and millions of people, all of the armies and the farms and the weddings and the divorces and and the births and the deaths. And it makes you take perspective and just like the uh, Amori Fati exercise, remind you how small we all really are. It reorients us. The view from above changes our value judgments on things, luxury, power, war. The worries of everything that we're worried about right now seem ridiculous. Seeing how small we are in the grand scheme of things is is only one portion of the exercise. The second and uh, a more subtle point is to, to tap into what uh, is like a, a mutual interdependence with humanity, which... Um, there was an astronaut, um, what was his name? Edgar, uh, I think it was Edgar Mitchell. He uh, was one of the first people who actually experienced the real view from above in outer space. And, and he said that you develop an instant global consciousness, um, an out, a, a people orientation, a, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. Take a step back from your own concerns and to remind yourself of your duty to others. And that is called, uh, you know, Plato's view, which is zooming out above your house, above your city, above your state, to outer space from the moon. And then there's that picture I posted online. If you haven't seen it, there was a picture that I think it was like 30 or 40 years old. It was taken of Earth from outside. Uh, it was some crazy distance away. And uh, Earth was like this pale blue little speck. It looked like a dirty piece of film. How big are your problems when they're that far away? So right now, you and I, this moment, it's what we've got. It is this. Remember that. Three words. It is this. See if it helps. And uh, I want to end uh, the podcast today with a quote from Seneca the Younger, who, if you have a chance, and this kind of stuff interests you, I would definitely say to check out uh, Seneca. He's got a book called The Shortness of Life. He's got uh, letters from Seneca. There's a ton of those things out there, and they're all really fast, really quick reads. He said, let us prepare our minds as if we'd come to the very end of life, and let us postpone nothing. Balance life's books each day, and the one who puts the finishing touches on their life every day is never short of time. And I think that's such a great reminder to live every day as you can, to live 
live with in the nature and the circumstances around you, not letting external situations piss you off or fuck your day up, and changing the connotation from, well, it is what it is, to it is this, and I'm happy in this, and I'm happy to be able to experience this. And uh, more than anything, friends and neighbors, I am happy uh, to be connected with you. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're sharing the podcast. We have a crazy, crazy amount of shit coming up. And uh, I, I say we because there's so much more to uh, to what I'm doing on the musician side of stuff than just me. We've got Justin who gets us everywhere safely and takes care of so much shit for me. I've got a whole team of people that are helping this whole thing happen. So we have some big announcements coming that I'm super stoked about. I've got a new series on YouTube right now, my YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com backslash official Jeremy McComb. And it's called The Work. And it is behind the scenes video of all the stuff that's happening. I'm posting a new video, like if not every day, every couple of days. And it literally is when we do something on Saturday, you're either watching it Sunday or Monday morning. So you're kind of coming along for the ride with us uh, in the studio, in these meetings, in all the stuff that is happening. Because I feel like with the new project, we we all kind of feel like there's something very special happening. And I just want to make sure that you guys are all part of this. And I'm very, very grateful for each of you guys that spend some time with me every week, either on the podcast or on all the uh, socials and stuff like that. So thank you so much for your time. Check out jeremymccomb.com for my tour dates. We just added a shitload of them. Texas, uh, Europe. It's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy year. So I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thankful for you guys. And uh, if you enjoy this, again, we're still... I still can't get Facebook to let me to boost anything. They're mad at me for something. I don't even know what I did. Fuck. I'm a pretty charming guy, I thought. Anyway, if you're enjoying the podcast, share it uh, on your page. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, I hope you guys have an absolutely great weekend. I will be posting a brand new podcast next Tuesday on our normal day, every Tuesday on the Too Dumb to Quit podcast. Have a great weekend. Be safe, friends and neighbors. We'll talk to you soon. And go watch the work on my YouTube page right now. Go subscribe. Go.
Okay, no, but before we go, Bones, you're famous for something. Uh, after a couple of wobbly pops, you've been known to get on stage and you do this train whistle with just your mouth. There's, there's no like whistle, there's no apparatus whatsoever. So could you end the podcast today with your patented, uh, your patented train whistle? <laughs> toot toot, bitches.